There is a fifth dimension beyond which that is known to man. This is a dimension that is vast as space and timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it is lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of the imagination. It is an area in which we call the twilight zone. Mrs. Chesters, have you ever read David Copperfield? Who was our woman? Did we not cast her? <laughs> no, we didn't. Uh, I thought it was going to be narrator-woman uh, combo. Oh, My bad. okay. Oh, sorry. How's that? <laughs> Wonderful book. Here's this poor tittleteller whose father has passed on and his mother has married a miserable man named Murdstone. And Murdstone has this sister, Jane. Mr. Bemis, you shortchanged me again. You owe me one more dollar. See, there's only 24 here. I, I should have 25. Uh, I'm, I'm terribly sorry. I thought there were five ones there, but there are only four. Uh, I'm really sorry, Mrs. Chesters. There's another character in the story named Macabre. Mr. Macabre. He's... He's always being taken away to debtor's prison. <sighs> There's a wonderful woman in her too named Peggy. She's David's nurse. <sighs> oh, Mr. Carswell, I didn't realize you were here. I wonder if I might see you in my office, Mr. Bemis. <laughs> mm -hmm. Why, why certainly, Mr. Carsville. <laughs> I don't suppose you ever read David Copperfield, did you, Mr. Carsville? The time is the day after tomorrow. The place is anywhere so long as we can accommodate a bank, a main street, and a library. Along with a myopic little man named Henry Bemis, who has only one passion in life, and that is to read. Mr. Bemis conspired against a browbeater and henpeckers and the clocks of whose hand waggles disapprovingly at him and always disallows the moments. He'd love to read. He'd love to use to read what he would. In a moment now, however, Mr. Bemis will have his chance to read in a world much different than the one he knows, a world without clocks or bank presidents, a world, for that matter, without anyone. Now, Mr. Bemis, I shall come to the point of our interview. Shall... Uh, that... what? <laughs> Sorry, the uh, is there a typo on the script? Oh yeah, we'll just like anyways. What's uh, Root which namely constitutes an efficient number of this organization vis-a-vis -vis a bank teller who knows his job and for it. The I.E. an organization man who functions within an organization. 
You, Mr. Bemis, do not function within the organization. You are neither efficient teller nor a proficient employee. You are a reader, Mr. Bemis. A uh, reader, sir? A reader! A reader of books, of magazines, periodicals, newspapers, pamphlets, brochures, catalogs, advertisements, tracks, and idiom. When you're waiting on customers, you have a book in your lap. When you're making your daily tally sheet, there's one eye on the printed page. I see you constantly going down to the vault downstairs during a lunch hour. Do you know how I know I became president of the bank, Mr. Bemis? I was a teller once myself, you know. Thirteen years of power, teller, I'm proud to say. Became a big president because I would spend my lunch hours in the following manner. Five minutes sandwich, two minutes milk, one minute cookie, 52 minutes spent learning banking and finance. Practicing adding up figures, subtracting, dividing, compounding interest. And 21 years passing through the ranks, you know where how I wound up? No, sir. I went up as president of the bank. Ultimatum, Mr. Bemis. From henceforth, devote your time and your job and forget reading. Or you'll find yourself outdoors on a park bench reading from the morning to night if you want having a job. Do you make so Do I make myself perfectly clear? Yes, sir, you do. It's just that. It's just that what, Bemis? Make it quick and get back to your cage. It's just that my wife doesn't allow me to read at home. When I come home at night and pick up the paper, she yanks it out of my hand. After dinner, when I try to look at a magazine, she hides them. It's gotten so that I find myself trying to read the labels on condiment bottles on the dinner table. She won't even let me use ketchup. Unask, I've given my reaction to this. Your wife is an amazingly bright woman. I remember last November you spent the better part of the days reading campaign buttons on customers' lapels. You'll call Mr. Bemis, the young woman who took considerable offense to this and tried to hit you with the umbrella. I remember that very well, Mr. Carsville. She never gave me a chance to tell her that I was only looking at who she was voting for. Good day, Mr. Bemis. Good day, Mr. Carsville. Henry? Henry? Yes, dear, I'm in the living room. Do you want more coffee or don't you? No, thank you, dear. Then tell me that you uh, that you don't sneak off into the living room to bury yourself in newsprint. I think we've gone over this quite enough, Henry. I won't countenance a husband of mine sacrificing the art of conversation. <laughs> All right, what's so funny? <laughs> Nothing, dear. It just sounded sort of funny. A husband of yours. How many husbands have you had? I'm the only one. I would appreciate not being rubbed in. We're playing cards tonight. I want you to change your shirt. Cards? That's quite right. Cards. We're going to the Phillips house. 
Well, Henry, anything to say? <sighs> oh, dear. Nothing to say. What time are we due there? In about 15 minutes. That's why I want you to change your shirt. Try to, to look at least remotely respectable. Dear, have you seen my glasses? Why, they were just, uh, they were here just a moment ago. Ah, here they are. I'll be ready, dear. See that you are. Here we are, a book of modern poetry. That should hold me over. Oh! Henry! Yes, dear? What have you got? Got? Got. Why, nothing, dear. I... What's this, Henry? That? This. That's odd. How did that get there? I could only hazard a guess. A book of modern poetry. Yours, Henry? Y yes, dear. Would you like to read me some, Henry? Read you some? Aloud? From the book? Do you want to? Why, why, Helen, I'd be delighted to. This has lovely things in it. Really, there's one or two from Longfellow, Edna St. Vincent, Millay, Robert Frost, Carl Sandburg. Wait, wait, what is this? All the pages are marked, marked over with thick black marker. Who would do such a thing? Who do you think, Henry? You should thank me, really. A grown man who reads silly, ridiculous, nonsensical doggerel. It is a doggerel. There were some beautiful things here. It is doggerel and a waste of time. Helen, please, Helen, don't. Oh, oh my glasses. I could be done with it right now. Why, Helen? Why do you do these things? Because I'm married to a fool. There'll come a time, Helen. There'll come a moment when... When what, Henry? When I'll be forced to pay you back for 20 years of indignities and cruelties and misery. <laughs> Don't forget to change your shirt. I'm going to bed, Helen. I learned those poems by heart. I'm going to bed and say them to myself. And you can't vandalize what's inside my mind. You can't climb in there and pencil out some beautiful language.
H-bomb would mean total destruction, says scientist. Hmm. What in the blazes? 